the book of Esther. And I'm going to go to probably the most familiar passage in Esther, Esther chapter 4. And I'll tell you something funny. It has nothing to do with the message, but I thought it was funny. And it's good to be humbled every once in a while. And I needed a lot. And we figured out today what's wrong with the mic and why you see me fidgeting with the microphone during the service. Brother Lapone helped me with this today. I really appreciate his expertise in on this. He says, you know, we want to make sure that thing's comfortable and fit in your ride. And I says, look, you know, I just, I don't understand why this thing's not staying on my ears. I mean, I'm giving it plenty of real estate to hold on to, and I can't figure out why they don't stay on my ears. And then Brother Lapone helped me discover that one of my ears is higher than the other. That's what it is. I had to go to my wife and tell her where she's at tonight. She moves around, and you move around, and you drive me crazy moving around like that. She has an imperfect husband. She thought I was perfect up until now. Now she realized that one ear is shorter than the, I don't know, you know, it's just sad, but that's why you see me messing with this. So we're going to have to get a custom mic made, one that's a half inch higher on one side and the other where it'll fit because uh, the, the curse is what it is, the Garden of Eden. I'm suffering because of what Adam and Eve did there in the garden. It's just because of sin. Amen. I told you it had nothing to do with the message. Esther chapter four, let's stand together. <laughs> Esther chapter number four. We know the story very well of Esther and how God has uniquely positioned her to be in the palace to have an opportunity to intervene in the life of the Jews. And her uncle Mordecai comes to her and encourages her. Aren't you glad that God sends people in our lives to encourage us at pivotal moments to do the will of God? I'm thankful for that. I don't always appreciate it like I should. I'll be honest with you. That people that God has sent in my life at critical times to kind of give you a little bit of a nudge. You know, the Holy Spirit tries to nudge our hearts. But sometimes he, the Lord, uses the more fleshly nudges and gets folks to help us. That's what Mordecai is trying to do. And we're going to pick up in verse 13, (coughs) if you don't mind. The Bible says, then Mordecai commanded to Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He says, you're not going to escape this. You're a Jew as well. Verse 14, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth, watch the last part. We know this one probably by heart. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night and day. I also my ma- and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Lord, I do thank you tonight for your word. Lord, I thank you for meeting with us this morning, and I pray you'd meet with us again tonight. Lord, help us to take what you've given us, preach it in a way pleasing to you, give us liberty and recollection, and I pray you'd open every heart here, and that every heart would be open to receive your word. We'll act upon it and be obedient to it, and Lord, for what you do, we'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I think I've mentioned uh, many times before that... Uh, Kind of the way that I study and the way that I like to read the Word of God is I like to search for common denominators. As you read through Scripture, you try to find people that were successful and people that God used and people that accomplished great things for the cause of Christ, Old and New Testament, and find some of the common denominators of their success. 
As you go through the Word of God, you find some common denominators for why God used people in certain ways and how they were able to overcome uh, sometimes insurmountable odds to fulfill the will of God in their life. The thing we're going to look at tonight is quite simple, but it's something that I have seen not only in the Word of God, but I see it just about on a daily basis on how people that are successful become successful. I was reading about uh, Mount Everest. I've always had a fascination with Mount Everest. I don't know. I've never been and probably will never never go, but I've always just kind of been intrigued by Mount Everest. And uh, there's a famous quote by George Mallory uh, in the 1930s when he was asked why he was going to climb Mount Everest. I mean, to go up there where you can barely breathe and freeze to death and you can only spend uh, about a half hour up there because it's so cold and you need so much oxygen to get back down. And they asked him, why do you want to go climb Mount Everest? Everest. Sometimes this is attributed to Edmund Hillary, but it was really George Mallory who said, because it's there. I mean, I think that's just about as good an answer as you could give. Why do you want to go climb it? Just because it's there. He's saying, it's there, the mountain is there, the opportunity is there, therefore, if the opportunity is there, I want to make the most of the opportunity. I was listening to a football game or watching a football game yesterday and listening to the post-game coverage of an underdog team that won and beat out a, team, a ranked team here uh, in the collegiate levels. I can't remember who it was because I watched several yesterday afternoon. And they asked the coach, they said, how do you think you're able to pull off this win against a ranked team? And here's what he said. He says, well, they kept turning the ball over to us. He says, if they're going to give us the opportunity, we're going to take the opportunity and make the most of it. And they did. They took the turnovers that they gave them, and they went on to win the game. And so on and so forth, we could talk about people that deer hunt, uh, people that fish, people that go out. In the, it'll be hunting season before long, or it already is hunting season. Uh, you go out there and sit beside a tree, and the mosquitoes hunt you. Uh, that's what it is in October here in the south. But it'll get cold in a little while, and we'll go hunting, and uh, you'll see somebody will kill a big deer. It will probably not be me, uh, but it will probably be somebody else in here, and I will do my best to rejoice with them that rejoice if it's you, and uh, maybe if I cheer for you, God will bless me and be able to kill one as well. But you ask them, hey man, how did you kill that big deer? And here's what they say. He came out, and they will give you every minute detail. The wind was blowing out of the southwest at .75 miles per hour. The barometer was 30 point whatever and rising, and... This deer came out coming, south, coming southwest out of the, you know, the, uh, the wheat fields, and they'll start ex- describing to you how this deer come out, and they, they drew back their bow, and they, and they made this shot, and they'll say, he presented me the opportunity, and I made the most of the opportunity. Now, I want to tell you something tonight, that whether we are used of God and whether we accomplish the will of God that he left us here to do, it will all be based on what we do with the opportunities that God presents us. We preached about Moses this morning. We see how God used him in a great way and how we can even be envious of Moses that he got to be the deliverer. But I want you to know that Moses was presented the opportunity by God and Moses made the most of that opportunity. I want you to know tonight God presents us opportunities all the time to do and fulfill his will in our life. Now the reason we're not successful is a lot of times we let those opportunities pass. We don't make the most of those opportunities, and yet we'll sit back and we'll be jealous of others who did make the most of the opportunities that they have. So how do we define an opportunity? I want to give you the Jeremiah Andrews official English definition of the word opportunity. It's simply this. Opportunities are moments of possibility. Opportunities are moments of possibility. What do you mean? It means you are presented with a moment 
where something becomes possible and you decide to make the most of that moment and take that opportunity and make the most out of it. But those opportunities do not come often. As a kid, we lived in Florida, and oftentimes we would watch the shuttles go up. I've mentioned to that to you many times before, and we could see them from where we live. <coughs> Excuse me. We even got to see the, we would see the vapor trail going up of the Challenger when the Challenger exploded. And uh, if there was a launch miss because of weather or wind or inclement you know, conditions in the area, they would sometimes have to wait a month, two months, even three months to relaunch the shuttle. Why? Because as the earth rotates and the conditions get just right, they have what's called literally windows of opportunity to get that shuttle off of the earth and up into the atmosphere where it belongs. And if you miss that opportunity, you have to wait until another one comes around. Now, understand tonight as a Christian, it's much the same. God presents us with moments of possibility. God presents us with a chance to do something for his cause and for his glory. But if we do not make the most of them, and look, we are choosing to be unsuccessful. God presents us as with Moses and as with David and as with Paul and anybody that we read about in the word of God that he used, God presents us opportunities. And now if we don't make the most of them, guess what? That's on us. So tonight we're going to look at this thought of, of opportunity about making the most of opportunity. And when we see Esther and how God used Esther, I want you to understand it was not automatic. Okay? This was not something where God was constantly pulling the strings and just controlling Esther to do all of these things. No, Esther had to choose to make the most of the opportunity, and she did. I think about Peter. I, I love when Peter walked on the water. I really do like the erratic nature of Peter because oftentimes my character is the same way. I have high highs and low lows. I can do something for God and seem to be doing fine, and then I can fail him miserably. So me and Peter relate very well. Me and Paul, not so much. Me and Peter, we relate very well. But Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. You know what, you know what Peter saw when he saw Jesus walking on the water? I believe with all of my heart he saw an opportunity. He says, bid me come. Hey, here's the opportunity for me to do something that I may never get the opportunity to do again. And, and granted, we never see where Peter did get to walk on the water. I'll bet you he was glad he took the advantage of the moments of possibility that he had. Look at people like Caleb. At the end of Caleb's life, Caleb's about to claim his property. I love the boldness of Caleb even in his older age. Long introduction. Shorter points, amen? Some of you are like, man, you're stretching the introduction out late tonight. We see Caleb about to claim his prize, his property that God had given him. Now, therefore, give me that mountain, this mountain, he says. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Caleb was making the most of the opportunity God presented. Do you know God presented that opportunity to all the spies and their families too? But Caleb was the only one that made the most out of it. So tonight, we're going to look at a simple thought here around, uh, around Esther and see how she made the most of her opportunity. Or if you don't make the most of it, you will miss your opportunity. So tonight, I'm going to give you four things. Got to shake it up a little bit. Every once in a while, if I keep giving you three, you're going to get lulled into sleep. And when I do give you four, you're going to revolt, okay? So we've got to mix it up from time to time. Look down, if you will, to verse number 14. Mordecai is speaking to Esther about this opportunity, he says this, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Now here's the meat of the message tonight. We'll come out of the next, uh, the next few words. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom 
for such a time as this. Now, hone in on a four-letter word there, the word thou. Mordecai is coming to Esther, and he says, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So the thing about opportunities is, number one tonight, opportunities need a person. Opportunities need a person. Mordecai is trying to convince Esther that she is the person for this particular opportunity. Now, folks, understand, we see people all throughout Scripture that God uses, and we get a little bit jealous of them. Man, I wish I could do that. We would probably be shocked and both saddened to realize on a daily basis how many opportunities are presented to each and every one of us personally. I think it was last Sunday, I told you I walked out of the gas station the other day, and uh, as I walked to my car, I noticed on the curb over here on the right, there's just a man sitting on the curb reading his Bible. Well, that's not something you see very often. I thought, well, this would be a great opportunity. So I made the most of the opportunity. They're all around us, but we've got to realize God uses people. God had Esther placed at this particular place, at this particular time. She was the person for this opportunity. But if you're not aware of that, you're going to miss them. And I want you to know, you can miss out on vacation, you can miss out on retirement, you can miss out on winning the publisher's clearinghouse. I had one of our members in our church in Monroe, bless their heart, they thought they were going to be the winner. They dress up those envelopes really good, don't they? They look personalized, they want to know your address, and you just sit there with bated breath in the recliner waiting for the prize patrol to pull up in your yard. And I hate to say it, they didn't win. I was really hoping they would, they would tithe off of it, we built our new building. I know that was selfish, but I was just really praying that they would win uh, so they could build our new building uh, at our church. They didn't win. They missed out on it. And as sad as it is to miss out on Publishers Clearinghouse, when you miss out on an opportunity that God has customized just for you, buddy, can I let me tell you tonight, you've missed out. There's no doubt in our mind that it was the providence of God that placed Esther here. Notice he says, who knoweth whether thou... Thou, Esther, it's you. Esther, wake up. you got to realize God puts you here in this place. This opportunity is uniquely yours. Now, if you don't recognize it, you're going to miss them. He says, this is your opportunity, Esther. I don't know how many times I've sat in a church service. I'll be honest with you. I've sat in church services. I've sat in conferences and walked out of there with nothing. Okay. No, I wasn't listening to my own preaching for those of you that are thinking that. Can I tell you, every time we come to the house of God, God has customized something for each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit of God, the greatest preacher in the world, is going to make sure that he puts something in your mailbox that's got your name on it. It's not going to be to current resident. It's going to be just for you. How often do we walk out of these doors and we miss out on what God had specifically crafted for us? And can I add something on to the end of that? You would be amazed at how often we skip church and we miss church. And that very week, that very week, what we needed on Sunday that we skipped out on, lo and behold, we needed it on Monday. I mean, I had, a, I had a couple doing some marriage counseling at our church years ago before we moved here. And uh, so many of the things we were dealing with, we covered on Wednesday night. But they weren't there. 
You know, there's a lot of good counsel can come from the Word of God. Look, three services a week. Let me tell you why three services a week are so important. You're giving God three opportunities to craft exactly what you need. And God knows what you're going to face. God knows what's waiting on you tomorrow. God knows what's waiting on you Tuesday. God knows about that obnoxious co-worker that you have to work with. Amen. We all have them. I'm not going to tell you who they are up here, but we all have them. It's not Brother Heath. Brother Heath's sticking with me. Brother Brent's done jump ship on me. He's out of town right now. So Brother Heath, you, you only pick on the guys that are not here. So we'll pick on Brother Brent. He's not here tonight. But God knows you're going to face that. And God says, here's what I do. I love them so much, I'm going to craft exactly what they need and deliver it to them in a message on Wednesday night. But we missed out on it. We missed the opportunity that God had provided for us. Galatians chapter 6 uses the word opportunity. Verse number 10, the Bible says, as we therefore have opportunity, as we therefore have opportunity, key word, we. Notice that personal word, that personal pronoun. As we have opportunity, the Bible says, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. But notice the opportunity is ours. As we have opportunity. Folks, I fear tonight so often we miss out on customized opportunities, those moments of possibility that we could have done something for God because we weren't aware that God was working and God desired to use us in that instant. 1 Samuel 17, we know the passage well. When David rides up to the battlefield and he's got his bread and his cheese for his brothers. I mean, you're talking about an, an insignificant job. Just delivering his brother's bread and cheese. And he walks up and he hears Goliath. Looks down there and sees this guy. He's, rah, 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 he's popping off at the mouth. And as Goliath pops off the mouth, David just keeps hearing that and keeps hearing that. And it just pierces his heart. And David's like, somebody ought to do something about this. And rather than David look around and say, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? David says, thy servant will go and fight. David says, if nobody else wants the opportunity, I'll take it. David says, look, I mean, it's nine and a half feet tall. How could you miss it? It was a big opportunity. I mean, you couldn't miss. There it was. See, David was aware. David wanted to be used of God. His heart was open to the opportunities that God had provided. And David got to do something that I'm going to tell you as a 39-year-old man, I'm still jealous of. I've thrown rocks at a lot of people and never killed any of them. David got to do it with his first shot when Peter saw Christ walking on the water, he asked this question, or he posed this question, bid me. Notice those two words, bid me. Peter says, I want it. I want it. Nobody else was jumping up and down the boat to walk on the water, but Peter said, bid me. He says, I want it. If the opportunity's there, I want it. I've told you before, uh, if something's free, I'm going to get it, whether I like it or not. You know, they got those, uh, what do they call, free osk? At Walmart, you have your Sam's card, you know, and you go up there and you take your Sam's card and you swipe it and it gives you something free. You know, look, I'm, I'm not much into Tide Pods, you know. I know the generation today, they're, they're loving those things, but, you know, I'm not into all of that and fabric softener, but it's free. And so I'll go up there and swipe my Sam's card and get something. I don't want to miss out on something like that. Listen to me, folks. Some of us get more excited about the free samples at Sam's than we do the opportunities of God. God says, I've provided for you opportunities every day. I'm not kidding. When I opened my eyes this morning, how my heart was stirred and encouraged knowing, hey, God gave me another day. That's another opportunity. That throughout this day, there are going to be moments, moments of possibility where God could use us to do something for his glory. 
We see in Ezekiel chapter 22, we know the verse well where he says, I sought for a man. I sought for a man that would stand in the gap and then make up the hedge. But he found none. He said the opportunity was there. Can I tell you, the opportunities in America tonight, it's there. But listen, opportunity needs a person. Somebody will say, here am I. Hey, send me. I'll go stand in the gap. I'll go make up the hedge. It just needs a person. The wonderful thing about the opportunity is you don't have to be a special person. You don't have to be a strong person. You don't have to be a smart person. Just a person because God will take care of the details. Aren't you glad? God will take care of the details. We just need a person. Number one, opportunity needs a person. Mordecai says this. It says, thou art come. Esther, this is your opportunity. Thou art come. The second thing I want you to notice, it says, thou art come. Notice the next words, to the kingdom. Thou art come to the kingdom. Second thing tonight, opportunities have a place. Opportunities have a place. One easy thing to help you decipher tonight whether an opportunity is yours tonight is to ask the question, is it within my reach? Is it something that I can have a part in influencing? You know, we're really good armchair quarterbacks, aren't we? I'm guilty. Last night, I even got off. You know, usually I just holler at the TV from the couch. Last night, I got off the couch and was standing in front of the TV. This referee got it all wrong. He picked up his flag. I said, why don't you do that? And I'm talking to him, and I know he can't hear me, but it feels so much better when you talk to him. You at least let him know, okay? Maybe just sending him some vibes through the TV that he got it wrong. And I'm armchair quarterbacking. I'm telling this ref, I know you've gone to school, I know you've been doing this for 25 years, but the guy who's sitting on the couch knows so much more about reffing than you do. Isn't that insane? But we do it, don't we? Now, here's what I want you to understand. A lot of times, we, we, we love to armchair opportunity. Other people who have opportunities, we love chiming in on those. But what about ours? What about ours? Folks, understand that if God places an opportunity within our reach, within our circle of influence, listen, we ought to capitalize on it. David just rode up on the scene. God didn't send him a certified letter saying, hey, will you come engage Goliath? David just rode up and says, hey, I can do something about that opportunity at this place. So often God places opportunities right within our reach, and yet we pass them up. The Good Samaritan is a great example someone who was not intending on his to-do list that day to help a man who had been beaten up and robbed. The Bible says as he came along the way, he saw him there. Do you know what he saw when he looked down at that man? When he came to the place where the man was laying there bleeding to death, half dead, he'd been robbed, I believe he saw an opportunity. He said, I come to the place and there's an opportunity and I can do something about this. Esther came to this place, and Mordecai said, Esther, this is within your reach. There's some things that are not within my reach that I can do nothing about. I can't influence the president, and I can't uh, go over and, and provide water wells to every, every child in Africa, but I want you to know God's called me to this place. And there's a lot of opportunities within our reach here at Central Baptist Church that we're not taking advantage of. Folks, God calls us to a place for a purpose, and we've got to make sure we're not neglecting the opportunities that are before us. Meanwhile, we're armchair opportunity, the ones that we can't reach. God's put all kind of folks within our reach, but we've got to understand that we are at this place for this purpose. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25, we see the guy who had one. 
And oh, it seems like his punishment was very severe, wasn't it? Do you know why his punishment was so severe? Because the command of the master who gave him that one talent was well within his reach to fulfill it. He could have done something with the talent he was given. That talent was an opportunity. It doesn't matter who had one and who had two and who had five. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we get caught up in all the numbers of it. The, the most important thing I mentioned this in Sunday school meeting on Wednesday night was that the Bible says they were faithful. Notice he didn't say, well, you made more money than he did and you multiplied more than he did. No. He says, well done, thou good and faithful. What is faithfulness? It's taking advantage of the opportunities that God delivers to us. Sometimes God sends them our way and we miss them. I told you a while back, somebody knocked on our door trying to get us to vote for somebody. And I'm straight up with them. I said, man, we just moved here. I haven't had a chance to get registered yet. I just, I was straight up honest with them. Man, then the Holy Spirit kind of says, you didn't have to go after this one. This one knocked on your door. I mean, sometimes my light bulb takes a few minutes to flicker. Some of yours do too, because I watch you after I tell a joke in five minutes, you get this big grin on your face. It just started flickering, light bulb moment. Uh, Yeah, uh, some of you, you'll get it here in just a few minutes. I'm thinking, there it is. It's, now, I'm the person, and I'm at this place where I have an opportunity to witness to this guy. I got to, got to share the gospel with them, and, and I believe the Lord was working in that. Take your Bibles, turn to the back to 1 John chapter 3. I want to show you something. <coughs> 1 John chapter number 3. And uh, I want you to look down at verse number 17. <coughs> look at verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth." Verse 17 says, you know, if we have opportunities, what it's saying, we've been blessed with the good of this world and the blessings that God's provided for us, and we see a need, a brother in need. Notice the key word there, a brother in need. I mean, someone who's part of the household of faith. We ought to be willing to take advantage of the opportunity. Why? Because the opportunity is within our reach. Mordecai is trying to tell Esther, you're the person for this place. This opportunity is well within your reach, but we've got to reach out and take it. Now, folks, I believe that God's blessed us with a tremendous opportunity here in Hattiesburg. We have Camp Shelby down the road, and we have colleges here, and many, many, many folks that God has placed right within our reach. Let us not neglect the opportunities. Every one of us have a circle of friends. Some of your circles may be smaller than the other, but everybody has a circle of friends. You know what that is? That's people within your reach. God has strategically placed you in their lives. You're at a place where you can influence them, but we must make sure we make the most of the opportunity. How horrific would it be to see people stand before the great white throne of judgment of God and they were our neighbor? They were our coworker. They were our friend, and we never took the opportunity. So number one, opportunities need a person. 
Number two, opportunities have a place. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom? Let's keep reading. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, for such a time, <coughs> for such a time as this, the word time is very important because it shows us that opportunities, number three, are punctual. Opportunities are punctual. Sometimes you have to break out the thesaurus to get another P to keep this thing rolling opportunities are punctual. There's your little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at when sermons come together. What does it mean? It means, well, actions have a person, they have a place, and they have a time. For such a time as this. I find it interesting when we go back to 1 Samuel 17, when David rides up on the scene, the Bible tells us about Goliath that every morning and every evening he would, he would come out there and he would curse God. Every morning and every evening, and just by coincidence, David rides up on the scene while Goliath is out there spouting off what he's spouting off. Do you think that was coincidence? Not at all. God had David, the person, in the place where the opportunity was at just the right time. And this is what Mordecai is trying to tell Esther. He says, you're the perfect person in the perfect place at the perfect time. You must make the most of this opportunity. I'm going to tell you, you may laugh because I'm no D.L. Moody or Charles Spurgeon, but what blesses my heart is that God lets me be alive at this place in history. D.L. Moody's gone. Charles Spurgeon's gone. John Rice is gone. Tom Malone is gone. All of these great men of God who preach the word, they're gone. And we're looking around trying to figure out who are the people that God wants at this place, at this juncture in history, and it's the people in the mirror. Does that not excite you? That God could have put us way back when. God could have put us in the middle of, of Zambia. But no, God put us here for such a time as this. God says, this is who they need for this time in history. Man, that kind of all of a sudden makes you feel important, doesn't it? Some of you folks haven't felt important in a while. Understand, you're important to God. God wanted you to be here for now. But the problem is we're not making the most of our opportunity. We're the people. We're in the right place. The problem is we're not very punctual. We don't realize that we're here for this time. This is not an accident. God wanted you to be born. Look, I'm not an accident. God wanted me to be born in January the 4th, 1980 at Forest General Hospital. Not even 40 years ago. Not even 40 years ago. God knew what he was doing. Me and Brother Lapone were talking this afternoon how interesting and wonderful it is to be able to look at the will of God in hindsight. The will of God in hindsight is an amazing thing. To see what God was doing and how God was moving things around to get different people in different places. See, that's all part of his purpose. But if we don't realize that he puts people in places for times, you're going to miss the opportunity that God's presenting to you because it was just coincidence. Oh, no. No, it wasn't. This is what Joseph told his brothers. A few weeks ago, I was, got to teach uh, one of the Bible classes. We were talking about Joseph and of how as Joseph's brothers came before him to get corn because of the famine that was there. And Joseph did a great job disguising his voice and disguising who he was. I can't do that. I would have let the cat out of the bag right off the bat. I couldn't do it, but Joseph was able to do that. And, and all of a sudden, when he reveals who he is to his brothers, don't you know they were afraid? It's over. 
We're fixing to get whacked right here, you know. What did Joseph tell his brothers? He says, basically what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You see, Joseph understood that when he was in the pit, when he was in the prison, when Joseph was falsely accused, when Joseph was forgotten, he knew that the providential hand of God was at work in his life. And even though it may not have been the best of circumstances, Joseph said God knows what he's doing as he moves things around and God's preparing an opportunity. And lo and behold, the Bible says that God used Joseph to preserve life. God was moving him around for a tremendous opportunity. Oh, Joseph could have cried the blues down there in the prison. I'm all alone, forgot. I mean, Joseph just could have cried the blues, but no, he realized God was at work. Next thing you know, Joseph's there up on the throne as his brothers come in and God used him to the opportunity to preserve life for his own family. Now, can I tell you tonight, if you're not careful, you may not realize the great opportunity that God's given you to reach your own family. The opportunity's there. You may be the only one in your family who has a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be the only one. And God allowed you to learn of Christ and and you trusted Christ. And God allowed you to be a part of that family so that you could be a witness and win them. God's going to use you to preserve life. But you can't miss the opportunity. So number three, opportunities are punctual. The frightening thought tonight is when I overlook the opportunities of God as accidents and coincidences. You know, if we're living by the will of God... We're living by the word of God. These things are not cosmic coincidences. They're divine appointments that God has preordained to have you in the place at the right time for his purpose. The last thing is where it gets out of our hands. Verse 14, Mordecai says this, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement, that means their help, And deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. You can see the faith that Mordecai has that God's going to take care of his people. God's going to deliver his people. Mordecai has faith. He says, Esther, you can be a part of it, but God's going to get it done one way or the other. So the last thing that we need to understand is that opportunities need empowering. Opportunities need empowering. Watch close. If you will be the person in the place for the time, then you can depend on God getting the job done through you. This is what he says, Esther, look, you're the person in the place for the time, and God could do something through you, but God's going to do it with you or without you, understand. See, God, God really doesn't need us. God, look, he chooses to use us. God provides opportunity just because of his mercy and his grace that he lets us be a part of his grand will. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to be a part of that. That he lets me wear his name. He lets me be an ambassador, an official representative of Almighty God. He lets me be like a Moses that goes to deliver people who are trapped in sin and captive and held by darkness. Man, what a privilege. Remember, if you don't do it, he'll empower somebody else to do it. Now, as much as I love you folks and as much as I appreciate you folks, I want my opportunities I want to do the things God's let me do. Look, I don't want somebody else to take my opportunity. My wife used to pick at my brother. My brother can play the piano like crazy. And uh, my wife was, was just learning to play the piano years ago. And my brother don't play a whole lot anymore. My wife goes up to him and she says, I'm going to pray that God would give me your gift. She really did. They have a great relationship. You'd think that was her brother. 
Uh, they just get along and they argue and they spat and those things along that line. She said, if you're not going to use it, I'm going to pray God gives it to me. If you're not going to take the empowerment of God and be the person, the place at the time, then, hey, I'm going to pray God uses me. Now, folks, I don't want to miss out on my opportunity. I don't want God to say, Jeremiah Andrews, I place you at Central Baptist Church for this time, and you didn't get the job done, so I'm going to bring somebody else in. Oh, God forbid. God forbid we miss out on the opportunity and God raise up somebody else to get the job done. By the way, I have no doubt in my mind, you'll never convince me otherwise, that the United States of America was not raised up by God to be that, that city on the hill, that lighthouse to get the gospel around the world. You'll never convince me otherwise. This baby 200-year-old country, God raised up in the midst of countries 20 times our age, and become the powerhouse of the world. Why? Because God wanted to use us to get the gospel around the world. And for a long time, we made the most of that opportunity. But understand, God will move on if we don't make the most of it. Somebody's, many preachers have told me, missionaries and pastors who've been there, that the Philippines are catching on fire for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that you can't do that. They're a third world country and all that. Oh, yeah, watch God. Watch God. God can use who he wants, but I don't, listen folks, I don't know about you, but I want him to use us. Look, if no other church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or in Mississippi, all total combined, wants to be used of God to get the job done, why not us? Mordecai says to Esther, he says, you're the person in the place for the time, and God can empower you, but you've got to let God do it. If not, God will raise up somebody else. So often, God presents open windows, open doors of opportunity for us, and we miss them because we don't realize they're ours. But if we'll do our part to be the person and the place for the time, tomorrow from 9 to 5, some of you will go to work in unhospitable areas for Christians. Rather than look at your workplace as an obstacle, why don't you look at it as an opportunity? He said, well, I'm the only one there. Let that sink in for a second. Esther says, I'm the only one in this castle that believes anything about God. Yup. It was designed that way. The person in the place for the time that God would empower them. I assure you, if we will do our part, God will do his. I'm committed to be the person in the place for the time. I'm going to make the most of the opportunity, and then I'm going to trust God to do what only God could do. I was saying in Joshua chapter 3, before I walked over here, were the children of Israel getting ready to cross the swollen Jordan River. God tells them, he says, go down there and tell the priests that bear the ark to wade out there in the water just a little bit. The Bible says that he wanted them to get out there ankle deep. Let that water kind of start lapping up on their legs just a little bit. And he says, when they get out there so deep, I'll part the water. The Bible says the priests that were bearing the ark, they, they put it up and they're bearing the ark and they get out there in the water and they do their part. Exactly what God told them to do. They were the people in the right place when God told them to do it and then God parts Jordan. Now, I want to see God work. I want to see God work. But we're not going to see God part the Jordan until we're the people in our place in the time that God's called us to be there. And when we start making the most of the opportunities, we'll see God do things that only God can do. Because he's still got the power. He hasn't run out. I believe he's just waiting for people that are willing to say, you know what? God, I believe I'm where you have me to be. 
I'm going to be the person who seeks to do your will for this time and then watch God work through you. Let's have our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed.